Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show sponsored by 888 Sport. This is your Haydock and Ascot preview ahead of the weekend's racing. Find out which horse has Andy Holding thinking about the shunter. Come Saturday afternoon, I, I, I think and I'm hoping that um, he will put himself firmly on the map. Get Barry Geraghty's thoughts on the Betfair chase and his old friend Deffy Soul. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Deffy as well. Um, an absolute superstar. And find out which horse Ed Quigley thinks at a double-figure price at Ascot is his nap of the weekend and should be as short as 6-1. to one. This horse loves Ascot. I think he should be half the price he is. Delighted to be joined on the Odds Checker betting show today by Odds Checker's very own Andy Holding and Odds Checker betting show regular Ed Quigley. Two men who were both on course at Cheltenham last weekend, so can't move on to this weekend's rating without casting a glance back over our shoulder at the November meeting. Andy, coming to you first, how was it from your perspective? And uh, what are you taking away from from the uh, the weekend's rating? First and foremost, just, just great to be back at Cheltenham. Um, uh, you know, the racing could have been better numerically. Um, I think everyone knows mm. that. Um, but that aside, you know, the crowd was fairly healthy, gave, you know, a, a real good atmosphere to to all races. There was lots of close finishes, lots of good stories, some highs and lows, obviously, for certain trainers. Uh, Dan Skelton probably being the, the, the most uh, predominant figure of the whole entire weekend. Um, whether we've seen any Cheltenham Festival winners um, remains to be seen. It's always quite a good stepping stone, isn't it, for the festival, that, that meeting. Um, I've got a sneaky feeling there might be just one, maybe two, that I'd, I'd suggest might, might um, have, have half a squeak um, in a few more months' time down the line. Um, but, yeah, it was just just a really good meeting. I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself coming away, um, totally invigorated by um, going back on the race course again. Totally invigorated. Ed, can we say the same about you after your birthday celebrations? Well, I'll say I was reinvigorated at one point, but yeah, probably the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum by uh, by Sunday evening, has to be said. No, it was great, though. It really was. Uh, as as Andy says, great to be back. I mean, there was a bumper crowd of 34,000 there on Saturday. That was up from the 2019 uh, number, I do believe. A rocking atmosphere. It, it was really good. Uh, some some really exciting racing. And yeah, I... I, I I've actually taken quite a positive view of view of the performances there uh, from that from that meeting going forward uh, with a view of kind of long term aims. Obviously, I like Sporty John was a highlight for myself, but I thought Blazing Cow uh, was uh, was quite impressive. He could make up into an Albert Bartlett contender, and um, yeah, I still wouldn't give up on my Drogo. Far from it uh, in terms of reaching the top of the tree or dining at the top table in the novice chases this season. So yeah, uh, lots of great talking points as there always is. And, uh, but it was a thoroughly enjoyable three days worth of action. Let's mention that my Drogo race and specifically what we saw from, from Rachel Blackmore, Ed. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that before? No, I mean, I actually went down on the rails, uh, onto the rails for this race. And of course, kind of just looking down the home straight. And of course, when it happened in real time, um, naturally, I, I thought my drug had fallen and brought down or at least interfered mm. with uh, Gin Online, the cause in the upset. But when you saw it head on, yeah, it was quite remarkable, really. A two-runner race at the same fence, two independent mistakes. And my Drogo's jumped the fence fine. He means absolutely winged mm. it, hasn't he? And his feet in the seat slow motion, the turf just gives way and his, his feet just slip on landing. Uh, so that was uh, yeah, that was crazy. And then obviously Rachel managed to stay on board, gin uh, online and go and pick up the pieces. Yeah, it was that. Uh, that was a funny one. That was probably the biggest noise from the crowd over the three days it has to be said. But uh, yeah, it was a great action. We didn't even talk about Paddy Power Gold Cut, which was run at a 
ferocious pace to the eye. I mean, mm. I haven't seen any evidence on the stopwatch about that. Up, but a couple of the jockeys coming into wearing room after saying that felt like a, a two-mile championship race, the speed they went off there. I mean, there were so many horses in the Paddy Power Gold Cup who were thrown in the towel from about four out, weren't they? And um, mm. it was uh, it was quite, yeah, it was brilliant for Midnight Shadow and Sue Smith. And they're going to tilt at windmills and go for the King George. I think, well, why not? You know, <laughs> a great, great horse. He'll probably get his ground there. And um the, the connections have some fun as a 50 to one shot. Yeah, great, great um, three days of racing. Loads of talking points. And uh, yeah, we move on. We move on exactly because this weekend, this Saturday in particular, we've got some cracking racing at Haydock, including the Betfair Chase and a couple of really interesting races over at Ascot as well. So we're going to be covering the four last races, starting with the uh, graduation chase at Haydock and then move over to Ascot to do a couple there. And then Andy, as ever, the novice hurdle king. I'll ask you if, if there's any to keep an eye on in the two novice hurdles that open up. Uh, each card at Haydock and at Ascot. Uh, before we get into the racing, going to point the listeners and viewers as ever in the direction of the Odds Checker app. There you can get the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms, and of course, Andy Holdings tips straight to the app, straight to your phone at around 9am every day before racing. Let's get into the action though. The 150 at Haydock is the first race we're going to be covering in detail uh, we're going to go through these and then in about 10 or so minutes we'll be speaking to 888 sport ambassador barry Geraghty on his thoughts of last weekend's racing and the weekend we've got ahead of us as well so do stay tuned for that but first the 150 a four runner race this one andy brave man's game is the 8 to 13 favorite ahead of itchy feet at four to one pay the pipe of five to one al nadam is 20 to one uh not the most appealing from a punting perspective but an in- interesting race nonetheless yeah, I think a lot of these novice chases, um, graduation chases, you like to call them, are always small fields. But, you know, we get a chance to see um, each rung of the ladder, don't we, with, with these which horses these go, go on. Um, obviously, starting with Brayman's game, he's the obvious starting point. Um, we all know he was a top-class hurdler. He was only just outpointed by two of the best we've probably seen for a decade, Bob Ollinger and, and Galea de Mesnil in that mm-hmm. uh, division. And... You know, he, he's always looked as though he's going to be a chaser. I mean, that's what he was uh, brought for. And, and you know, he started his career in, in pretty um, dominant fashion, didn't he, down in Newton Abbey? Might have only been Newton Abbey, but um, we didn't, little do we know at the time he was beating the subsequent Charlie Hall winner in the shape of Fuso Raffles, albeit he was slightly fortuitous, as we know, because Sean Blue would have probably won that race. But, uh, you know, he jumped the fences fantastically well, as you'd imagine from a Paul Nichols horse first time out. Uh, looked a natural. And Haydock's the natural progression to take him to, isn't it? You know, flat left-handed track, similar to Newbury. The fences come up nice. Um, they're already probably thinking a year down the line, aren't they, the Nichols team? They're already thinking, oh, this is a Betfair chase horse for next season. Um, so give him a spin round there. They'll probably go to Cheltenham at some stage. Maybe, um, you know, the, the Christmas meeting or maybe the, the New Year meeting. And... Um, you know, and then probably think about RSA or, or even the shorter distance race, the Mars, depending on, of course, how he gets on. Um, he'll have stern competition with Itchy Feet. Obviously, he was second to All Mankind um, at, at Aintree. And, and that form has been franked, hasn't it, with the third horse winning the, the Paddy Power Chase, Midnight Legend. And, and Peter Piper's no mug. You know, he, he ran really well in the Colin Parker, touched off by um, a, a, re, a resurgent or rejuvenated uh, fiddler on the roof. Um so, you know, that, that form on its own is pretty good. I think he's better than the mark at the moment of one four one. So it's a fascinating race. Um, I'd imagine that we well, expect Brayman's going to win. 
Um, whether he's a betting proposition, that's down to personal choice at four to six. But yeah, I think um, hopefully we'll learn a little bit more come um, two o'clock Saturday. Yeah, eight to thirteen, best price at the moment. Brave man's game, including eight 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 sport, who are top price. Uh, Ed, how do you see it? Yeah, I'd agree with a lot of what Andy said there. Um, funny enough, though, I would take the <laughs> look. I think he's the he's the best horse. Or will be the best horse and that's the the kind of key here will be he's very much priced up on potential we had this kind of mm-hmm. discussion last week with um was it the uh willie mullins mayor early morning rain i think in time she could be very good but you're talking about now he's priced up he's touching twos on across the board he's being priced up as if he's already been there and done it well if you look at official figures he's not even the best horse in the field i mean even allowing for the fact he gets four pounds from itchy feet itchy feet would be giving him six pounds if they met in a handicap so it's one of those again. I think he's got the potential. He will be the best horse, but the market is priced up as though he's got a lot more superiority over his rivals than perhaps you know he's entitled to have in in the market. You see what I'm saying? It, all in all, I think he'll probably win, but I think he's got a bit more on his plate than his price suggests. That would be my kind of um, underlining for it. Itchy feet. I wish they go three miles with this horse. Been saying it for a long time. I mean, Ollie Murphy even said it last time. He said we're going to have to look for a three mile contest next time out. Uh, they're kind of sticking it in and around this intermediate trip. Uh, he just gets going too late, doesn't he? He's done mm-hmm. on more than one occasion now. So uh, I would like to see Itchy Feet up in up in trip. Pay the Piper's no mug, uh, as Andy says. He'll probably be there and thereabouts. All in the dam will be one for further down the line. Uh, the Dan Scouted team. Uh, I mean, he looks a big price on the face of it, given his rating. But the Dan Scouted team will already come out and given the, uh, you know, he'll come on for the Ryanix strip fitter, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there'll be other days with that horse. But yeah, I think Brain Man's game. Most likely winner, obviously has the potential, but has a little bit more on his plate than a, a two-zone favourite, you know, that, than the price would suggest is how I'd sum it up. Who, who do you think would be the most likely to serve it up to him on the day? Oh, itchy feet, definitely. But I think they've, they've got to, I said, I think he needs three miles. I think they've got to try and mix things up. I would ride him more forcefully, really then go at his fences. Uh, he's, you know, they, they tend to try and switch him off now and again and come with a late rattle. He gets out pace, gets out of his comfort zone and gets going too late. I, I'd be interested if they, you know, cheat pieces on, just bowled him along in front. And um, it may set the race up perfectly for Brave Man's game. But um, you can't just keep doing the same thing and losing and then saying, oh, well, you know, that's the way it is. You've got to try something different. And yeah, this small field probably does play to Brave Man's game's strengths. But um, itchy feet, if you can design things out in the jumping department, which has been his Achilles heel, and perhaps change tactics up a bit. I do think he'll give Brave Man's game something to think about, but I do in the end expect uh, the Paul Nichols individual to come out on top. And I think a little bit with this as well, final point on him is Andy uh, did touch upon Paul Nichols' quote the start of the season was, uh, whereas I've got it here, I'm not sure he quite wants three miles as everyone else is convinced he does. So mm. uh, Nichols in the back of his mind obviously thinks he's not short of a bit of boot. Um, and so we're, they're kind of going up in trips. It's extended two miles five now, and they're, they're probably, you know, that. On the back of that, they might think, well, whether he needs three miles for something like the Corto Star Novices or whether they look for like the Dipper or something. So I think there's a there's an element of a fact find. There's a bigger picture here than the fact he's just going to turn up a win tomorrow. There's a lot of fact finding to go with it, I think. And so, yeah, Brave Man's game for me to win. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if Itchy Feet was there or thereabouts as they uh, they came towards the last. Itchy Feet, four to one best price as it is at the moment. So on then to the 225, the uh, Stayers Handicap Hurdle. Uh, over three miles and Riggs and right place, right time are the 11 to two joint favourite. Spoiler alert, uh, listen on after this preview when I speak to Barry Geraghty and he'll talk about right place, right time, a horse that he fancies this weekend. Orby's legend is seven to one, flight deck 10 to one, Bass Rock 10 to one, Stony Mountain 11 to one. Did they leave you two 12 to one if the cap fits 14 to one, 16 to one bar, including Gladiator Allen, who is 
blue all across odds checker at the moment. Uh, Andy, how do you see this? An open affair as it is at the moment, 16 run. Yeah, wide open uh, numerically, but there's a, a potential couple of blots on the handicap. Um, you could argue that Orbeez legend fits into that category still, despite winning the silver trophy at Chepstow. Um, that form has been advertised um, last weekend, wasn't it? But Gal Rod, I think he finished sixth in the silver trophy, went yeah. on to win at Cheltenham in, in pretty decisive fashion. I was really impressed with Gal Rod, by the way. We didn't talk about horses to keep an eye on out mm. of Cheltenham, but he would have definitely made my top three. I like the way he hit the line up the hill at uh, Presbury. Uh, and uh, he was well beaten, like I say, by Philippe Hobbs' runner uh, down at Chepstow. And he has got a run style, Orbeez legend as well, which is also very suited or should be suited to Haydock, as we know, often horses that make the running or certainly with up the pace around that tight inner circuit um, up there in, in Merseyside. Def- definitely um, he's worth bearing in mind. So I think he's definitely one for my shortlist, but there's no doubt about it that right place, right time is the one that your eyes are drawn to. Uh, my eyes are certainly drawn to him anyway. Uh, because he's he's owned by a good friend of mine, Paul Byrne, who's probably one of the shrewdest over, uh, owners over in Ireland. Um, the way they plotted uh, the uh, the course um, all the way to Cheltenham with with the shunter last year was was nothing short of genius. Uh, and they, they they literally left no stone unturned in every single decision they made. Who was going to ride him? Where they were going to ride him in a race? Um, yeah, it, it was just it was just. Brilliant to see um, both uh, Emmett and and Paula at, at their at their finest there, mm. and even and in the end they they even knew when they probably hadn't got much juice left in the tank and they sold it to JP um, <laughs> just to put the cherry on the cake. But they've got this right place, right time now. Who uh, has mixed mixed it under both um, disciplines recently? But he was really good the other day. I think it was at Fairy House, wasn't he? When he mm. made all the running, I think it was very significant. It was the first time he's really been attacked at his fences and he jumped really well. Um, whereas prior to that he wasn't so great but um, they've got him into this handicap first and foremost the fact that he's coming over is a significant fact and he's going back to to hurdling um, and he's snuck in as well right down the bottom they have backed him anti-post I can tell you that for nothing uh, I think they've hoovered up all the 12 to 1 midweek and it was sort of like odds checker blue come mm. Wednesday afternoon so we knew that it was going to be a runner and then they booked Harry Kimber as well um, just to um Put the uh, icing on the cake, um, getting him, you know, racing under ten stone. He's a f- prominent race as well now, as, as we as, as we um, saw at uh, Fairy House. So he's got the run style to very much cause some damage here. Um, yeah, I find it very very difficult to see him not running well. Whether could, he's going to be. I was going to say, is there still juice at eleven to two, or do, or do you think now the value's gone? Uh, oh no, no, because I don't think this is a strong race. I mean, Riggs, to be fair to him, he's five to one. I thought he ran okay at Aintree, but it's just okay for him. You know, the Michael Duff ran perfectly respectively at Cheltenham on Saturday, but he didn't, you know, scream to me like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, 10, 12 pound well in if you're a weight to measures, man. I just think I'd rather just stick with class and form and horses that I think have still got a bit of potential. And I do think right place, right time is very well handicapped off one, two, five. And I still think Orby's legend of what we saw in the other day at um, Chepstow has still got um, some mileage in him. Um, I mean, you've got the likes of Stony Mountain, if the cap fits, and one or two horses that have been around the block a little bit here. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the two sort of young bloods coming through would be, make the most appeal. Orby's legend, 7-1 to one best price, right place, right time, 11-2, to two, 888 Sport, one of the firms going 11-2. to two. Ed, two there against the field, any of you like... 
absolutely no idea to be honest with you George I mean I've spent four <laughs> months giving you a load of platitudes and waffle here about this race uh, it's time I braided knots to be honest with you I was going through it I thought that's got a good chance that's got a good chance I'm um, uh, no I mean a token suggest- a suggestion would be if the cat fits purely on the basis of and he talked about class of form well it's kind of in reverse with him he's been there and done it he's on the decline but his handicap mark the old handbrake is coming off in credit. He's now down to mark of 149. He slipped down £17 in, in the, over the course of 18 months. And he did show a lot more encouragement last time out. A lot of the old zest was there over two and a half at Aintree, obviously behind brewing up a storm. He bolted up, but uh, he was staying on the line. I think a return to a staying trip uh, will suit him. You know, he's a double figure price uh, and Dale Jacob goes there. Again, look, check your each way concessions. If you could get something really fancy, I might be half tempted to have an each way play on him because I think he'll stay on into a place. But um yeah, a, a race I think is fiercely competitive and I yeah, left the dance floor to Andy on that one. Left the dance floor to Andy and as I've alluded to, I was lucky enough to speak to 888 Sport. Barry, yeah, as I've alluded to, I was lucky enough to catch up earlier with 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty who takes me through his weekend's fancies, including one that Andy's just given a pretty big write-up uh, in the race we've just covered there. Yes, delighted as ever to be joined on the Odds Checker Betting Show by 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. Barry, very happy to have you with us today. Just me and you for this segment this time. Uh, how's it been going uh, this week? Looking forward to the weekend's racing. Yeah, of course. Uh, great action last again, but definitely looking forward to this again. It's, it's really hotting up now, isn't it? It absolutely is. And we're going to talk about a couple of the big races at Haydock and Alaska in a second. But before we do that, important to look back at last weekend's racing. We had some cracking stuff in the November meeting at Cheltenham, some good stuff over in Ireland as well. Anything catch your eye, any horses, winners or not, who you're going to be keeping an eye out for the next run? Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Um, obviously, Nuber Negro was good, but I think he'll meet stronger opposition as the season goes on. Um, I thought the Greatwood was the best handicap run in England in a while. Uh, the handicaps for me last season didn't live up um, where I thought this was a great race. West Cork obviously coming back after about 600 days off was a great performance. Um, Adagio as a four-year-old I thought was a big run with top weight but no ordinary Joe. Um, I wouldn't say it was ideal for him to make the running although he wasn't hassled on front. It was only his fourth run over hurdles so I think there's better to come from him. Yeah, certainly. A, a brilliant weekend racing. And you mentioned Nuba Negra there and, and West Cork. A good weekend for the Skelton team too. Um, but looking ahead to this weekend, and we're going to quickly go through now the Betfair Chase, uh, the three o'clock at Haydock on, on Saturday. A race just over three miles, uh, one furlong, three miles two it is, isn't it? And Aplutard is the six to four favourite. But we haven't seen Aplutard since finishing runner-up behind Manila Indo at Cheltenham. An, an exciting addition to this one. Bristol Demai obviously looking to equal Corto Star's fourth win in this race. Yeah, exactly. Um, great to have Aputard over for it. Um, and Bristol Demai, he's won it twice on heavy and he's won it on good as well. Uh, second to loss in translation. He loves the place. He probably, I think, and especially as a 10-year-old, emphasis on stamina is important to him. So I think he is vulnerable on this ground. And... Um, and Aplutard is the obvious one. But the negative on Aplutard is he's been a beaten favourite on his first run for the last three seasons. In good races, he was beaten last uh, first time last year in the Fortria Chase by Castlegrace Paddy, or by Ballyushin, should I say, the year before that by Castlegrace Paddy, he was beaten first time. So that's the negative for him. Um, but I heard that the, who is a high-class performer, waiting patiently, uh, turned the Tingle Creek last year on his first run, before being second in the King George. 
he's a horse with great early season form, although he's had a fairly interrupted time of it over the years. Um, he's moved to Christian Williams, who horses are flying. He's doing a brilliant job. He's really happy with this fella. There's, there's great reports coming from him. So he is a proven classy performer. Um, and he just could be a dark one in here, I think. Yeah, waiting patiently. Currently six to one best price. That is with eight 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 Sport themselves. Um, on Aplutard quickly because you mentioned their beaten favourite on on his first three reappearances, his last three reappearances, and it does feel like quite often some of Henry de Bromhead's horses do come on for that first run. Why do you think that is? And do you think that's a reason here maybe to to steer clear of Aplutard at the top of the market? Um, yeah, well, Henry's do improve. It's it's just it's how he trains, and you will see, you know. Different horses, though. Horses can be fit and ready first time. Um, you know, there was a concern about Sharjah last weekend. Would he be fit enough? Some horses are mm. easier to get fit than others. Some trainers don't press them as hard for their first run. So Henry's generally improve. And, you know, if you were to take a horse out of this for the season, Aplutard is the one you would want to take out. But I just think he's vulnerable. Um, and, be, and as you say, Henry's aren't overcooked for their first run where... On the other hand, say Paul Nichols would have them fit as fleas, and and likewise the Twiston Davis camp with Bristol de May. Yeah, and then looking at Bristol de May as well, um, you know, a horse who quite clearly comes alive at Haydock, comes alive in this race. Why, why do you think that is? Because obviously, when you see Bristol de May in this kind of company elsewhere, uh, the prices don't reflect that level of parity. It's possibly a reflection on on how he's trained. He is. You know, the Twist and Davis horses, they hit the ground running early on in the season. They've did a good Cheltenham. Um, I like to move. It's been really good this season. You know, horses are fit and ready first time. And I think emphasis on stamina as well. He pulls them to the sword. He makes them work. And you've seen good horses coming to Bristol de May and they've struggled to get past them because he's fit and ready and hard. And it's just how how the Twist and Davis camp operate and the horses are fit first time. So I think he 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 benefits from that. Um, and probably catches some um, horses just on the back foot, maybe. Interesting. I mean, plenty of, of cracking racing this weekend at uh, Haydock and Ascot as well. Any any horses that you fancy elsewhere that the listeners and viewers should keep an eye on over the weekend? Yeah, I thought um, right place, right time was interesting in the fixed brush order. Maybe a lot of the value is gone at this stage. He's much more price he's into now. But... Um, he has a very similar profile to the shunter, but he has the same owner as well. But he, he's had three runs for Emmett Mullins since coming from a different yard. Um, he two runs over 2-2 two, two or 2-3 two, in beginner's chases before stepping up to three mile and winning really impressively last time. So this is a three mile hurdle over the fixed bush um, hurdles. So he has a little bit of chase experience, which I think will stand to him. Um, but interestingly, and it's, it might be a coincidence, but it's, it's, very, it's very similar. The shunter started his season off of 108 um, last year. So he shot to 143 over hurdles and 156. I think he was over fence or thereabouts. Um, this fellow's 108 as well. Now he's gone to an English mark of 125, but um, I don't think Emmett Mullins or Paul Byrne would be bringing him over for the fun of it like <laughs> they did with Shunter last year when he won the Greyfoot. So I think he's really interesting. Maybe the value's gone, but um, yeah, definitely one to take note. Right place, right time. Yeah, 11 to 2 best price at the moment, as you say, massive improvement stepping up to three miles last time at Fairy House. Uh, over at Ascot and in the uh, the 220, sorry, the 240 over there in the Coral Hurdle, uh, 
I mean, a high-class field. We've got Buzz at 11 to 10, who we know Andy Holding is very keen on. We've got Molly's Ollie's Wishes, who couldn't have been much more impressive first time out this season. But it's Goshen, the one that you're interested in here. Goshen, of course, um, you know, a horse that promised so much that, that broke many hearts at, at Cheltenham and has since, uh, you know, how do we say it? One impressive performance, but a lot of occasions where Goshen's failed to live up to his promise since then. Do you think this weekend we could see a return to form? I just for me the big team of Goshen is going right-handed. You saw how he hung badly at Cheltenham, um, and even in the triumph, he was jumping out to his right. And it it keeps him when a horse hangs like that, it keeps him in his rider's hands, if you like. It keeps him pulling. He doesn't get to relax because he he doesn't stop fighting, if you like, because he's going right. It's a constant struggle. So I think as he showed in in, in Ascot before and in Sandown as well. Um, he won in Wincanton last year too, albeit that's in heavy ground. But I don't think he's as ground dependent, but he definitely will enjoy the two-mile tree. Now, it's a very competitive race and a hot race with buzz and some for someone. You know, it's, it's a tidy race, but Goshen is a horse in the triumph hurdle. And um, when he came down at the last, or Jamie got the fall off him at the last, he promised a lot that day. And I think there's a chance, and like that, the Moore team would generally have them fairly ready first time there's a chance he could just start living up to that potential. But for me, the big thing is going right-handed and a stiff track as well. So I just, I'm really interested to see how he does. Um, but it's it's a very competitive race, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like the Goshen we were hoping we'd see. Yeah, I was there that day in that sun buzz watching Goshen come around that bend and streak 15, 20 lengths clear before that absolute tragedy at the last. Uh, on to the, the 205, Barry. We couldn't let you go without asking you about a horse that you had some great days with in, in Deffy de Sol. Yeah, I really look forward to seeing Deffy as well. Um, an absolute superstar. And he has great form. Um, Phillips, over the years, Phillips horse were out of form all last season. So you have to draw a line under that, or through it, should I say. Um, but before that, he's a winner of a Tingle Creek. He's the winner of the Clarence House. You know, he's a high-class performer. He's getting a bit of weight, too, as well, off Dashiell Drasher and Master Tommy Tucker. So it's his first run after a wind-up, which wouldn't surprise me. He, he was always a, a tick-winded horse, but he does improve for his first run. Um, but maybe the wind-up might help him. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He's the class horse in the race. And as I say, he will improve, but um, his class might just get him through, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the case, fingers crossed, for both Deffy and to Goshen. Thank you very much, Barry Geraghty, their 888 Sport Ambassador, for giving us his thoughts on last weekend's racing and the weekend ahead of us, too. Look forward to speaking to you again next week. Yes, George. Perfect. Thank you very much, mate. That's yes. great. Yes, George. Cheers, Jake. Thank you. Cheers, Barry. Speak next week. Nice Thank you. See next week. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you as ever to Barry for joining us. Looking forward to speaking to him again next week. Uh, I touched there on the Betfair chase, and that is where we're going to head now with Apolutard, the 6-4 to favourite, head of specialist Bristol Demai at 7-2, to two, waiting patiently, fancied there by Barry, 6-1, to one, next destination, 8-1, to one, Royal Pagai, all blue and odds checker, best price, 9-1 to one as, is, as it is at the moment, Imperial Aura, 12-1, to one, Chatham Street Land and Clondor Castle, 33-1, to one. Eight runners as it stands, Andy. Where do you see the value at this stage in the Betfair chase? Uh, well, first and foremost, um, it's great that we've got eight runners. I'm just hoping and praying that it stays like that. I can't remember a Betfair <laughs> chase with uh, as, as many as many in the initial years. You get four, five or six and there's never any each way mm. betting. Um, so that's great news. Um, where's the value? I, it, it's a tricky one because 
I'm a, always been a massive fan of a Plutard, and on his day, he's knocked out the kind of figures that will make him virtually impossible to beat. Um, he's it, it takes a very very good horse to run a speed figure of eighty or above uh, on our on our numbers. Uh, only the very very rare um, rare occasions in each season do we get a time figure beyond eighty. And last last twice last season he did an eighty one and an eighty two in defeat at Cheltenham Beyond Minnerindo and when he won at Leopardstown. So if they go a right gallop, and I presume they will, it's definitely going to play into the hands of, of, of Plutard. Um, whether we can run to that level off, off the break, off a break, a 246-day break, is obviously open to slight question. Um, but none of, these, none of these trainers are going to be leaving any stone unturned. It's not the, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a look at this race and, and mm. you know, getting ready for This is like D-Day for all of these. Um, and I think the ground's probably more in a Plutard's favour than a Bristol de May or a Raw Pagai. I think those two would have wanted it, particularly Warburg. I would have wanted it a bit softer, which you normally get at this time of year. They probably can't believe it, can they? They're only going to get good to soft at best, uh, and that probably slightly puts me off Warburg. He was jumping's a little bit suspect here, then everywhere, and I think the faster they go on good ground, might just catch him out. Bristol's sure to run well. You know, he's he's, he's won this race three times in the past. He'll be off in front. He's just an amazing horse um, for connections, and I'm sure he'll give everyone a great spin. Uh, and you, you'd be a brave man to write him off, even though he's a ten-year-old. I think the probably, I think the value probably lies. If I was looking for a value bet at the current odds, would be probably next destination. I think it's significant that Paul Nichols is running him in this race at all, because um, he, he looks as though he wants, perhaps even even further. You know, he ran him obviously against Galvin, didn't he, at the, at the mm. festival. Um, but, you know, he's, he's no mug. He has got plenty of pace. I mean, he's, he run a couple of time figures over three miles last year. He was certainly uh, very commendable. Um, he goes really well fresh. I, th- I think they're going to run him in cheek pieces on there, not? I think, I think that's the, 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 mm. the story behind him, just to kind of like perhaps book his ideas up, dropping back down in trip. Um, but I do see him as at eight to one in and around that mark as a horse that I think will hit the frame at the very least because he does stay really well. He's got a bit of a tactical. His jumping's pretty good. I think he's a better jumper, by and large, than than Raw Pagai. And I think the ground is less important to him as well. So I do think a Plutard will probably win. Um, and I've had many kickstarts, virtually every tend to follow list that I've got. Um, <laughs> but I have got Next Destination in there as well as a backup. So he's probably my idea as, of the next best. Six to four then about the favourites, the likely winner there for Andy at Plutard, but next destination on the drift in a few places, maybe just easing because of Rob Pagai being strong in the market, but eight to one next destination, best price as it stands at the moment. I'm sure that red will turn to blue as soon as Andy's loyal disciples hear him uh, talking him up on the on this podcast here. Uh, Ed, how do you see this going? Yeah, a bit of a muddling affair because as Andy's alluded to, uh, usually we're Wait for our swamp-like conditions up at Haydock, haven't we? And old uh, Haydock Demai comes into his own, as I like to call him. And um, yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be pretty nice ground. I mean, a couple of showers around, but uh, much more lively conditions than we used to. Having said that, uh, Bristol Demai won it three years ago on good. But it was interesting listening to Twister Davis' team regarding all the chat about ground and flat tracks and everything. They said, look, he's fine on good. But it's just on heavy. It just it ruins the chance. It blunts the class of a lot of the others. You know, Bristol just loves to gallop on. And um, so that is the kind of problem when you look at class in here. 
they're not going to come much better than Aplutard, who's a strong traveller, uh, has pace from two and a half miles, a flat track will suit. And I, I do get the, uh, I understand a lot of people are kind of pointing out his miserable seasonal reappearance record. I think he's been beaten first time out uh, last three seasons. However, mm. I'll take those with a pinch of salt. You know, very much they were runs back in the season with other targets in mind. There's absolutely no way in how that Henry de Bromhead and Rachel Blackmore were coming over here for a Betfair chase to have the horse at 85%. He, he will be absolutely tuned to the minute. And you'll probably only see him two or three times more this season. One of those being in the Savile chase and then the Gold Cup. So I think Aplutard, the most likely winner. Uh, I've waited patiently. I just, you know, you just burn your money perennially, don't you, with this horse? I mean, you're going back nearly four <laughs> years now since he last found the winner's enclosure. And there seems to be a different excuse every time. Look, new training, new connections. Yes, the ground's... Uh, going to be fine for him, but I, I just, you know, at the, that, that kind of price, couldn't have him. I, I'd be uh, tentative each way. I'll probably go with Imperial Aura, uh, who's had the wind up. Uh, things fell apart in the Ryanair chase, won by Alaho, which was, you know, one of the most scintillating Ryanair chases I've seen. I mean, he had 160 rated horses thrown in the towel, didn't he, four from home. Mm. Uh, if the wind ops worked, I say, I, I think he's a horse who's always, to me, shaped like a, he wants a trip. A lot of these Kim Bailey chases end up being, as he says, very slow. Um, and uh, I, I just think, yeah, he, he's shaped to me like he wants three miles. Whether he's going to be first time out in this company uh, today is going to be the day or not, I, I'm not sure. But um yeah, very tentative selection. He's unexposed. He should have more to offer over a trip. And I'm playing, basically, I'm just playing against the percentages of waiting patiently. He doesn't win enough. Rule for guy or think <laughs> be, would be best on heavy ground. Uh, Chatham Street lad, Clondal Castle, I don't think are good enough. And then, yeah, that kind of leaves Bristol to my, you know, short enough. Next destination, I don't quite know what to make of. Uh, i interested in listening to Andy's viewpoints on that horse. Obviously, his, his national hunt chase form does look pretty good. And it kind of by process of elimination, you come down to a Plutard. So, yeah, a Plutard uh, to win, uh, Imperial Aura to follow him home. But i uh, got to be honest with you, yeah, it, it's not a race I've got any uh, kind of strong convictions on. Imperial Aura there, 12 to 1. <clears throat> Bristol Demai, of course, looking to equal Corto Star's record. As big as 12. So that's, that's 12 to 1 that's price now. That's fair enough then. I think that's, that's a fair price, actually. I, I kind of thought he would be in the single figures by Interestingly, now. Interestingly, as we've spoken there, it's been cut 11 to 1 best price. Oh. And <laughs> get your finger off the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also have to just um, pay homage as well, uh, a little tip of the cap to the uh, Racing Post weekend of this week who come up with a great headline on their front page. I'm a, I'm a bit of a stickler, I don't know about Ed, but for the for the puns ever yeah. ever since ever since the days of Johnny Vaughan in, in the big breakfast when they used to do the pun down in the morning with Denise Van Aan, I, I do love a lovely headline. And their <laughs> headline is May, as in obviously M-A-I, May the fourth be with you. <laughs> think, very good. Uh, yeah, very good. I think yeah. that's quite a good one. It it, it yeah. probably only surpassed by the one in the sun this morning, um, with regards to Jack Grealish's antics. Um, can't keep you uppy, as if to say, obviously, they can, <laughs> nobody can keep you uppy with the, the uh, antics of Jack Grealish at the moment. Yeah, so <laughs> just, um, just like I say, just a little amusing aside there with regard to the headline for the race. Didn't have you down as a sun reader, Andy, I must say. I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, I've got various ones on me app, but uh, yeah, if I, if, I want, if I want any sort of uh, what's going on in the showbiz world or any trash talk, then uh, look no further than the sun. Of course, look, looking forward to seeing any more uh, Strictly Come Dancing bets that come our way from you, Andy. The, the absolute master of, of Strictly Markets. Uh, and then we've got to get back to Haydock. And the, the 335 <laughs> is the uh, the bet for handicap chase. Uh, and we have Strictly a Dancer, 13 to 8 favourite. I think Strictly a Dancer was about 5 to 1 yesterday before the race cut up. Um, Ramsey's to tie, 4 to 1. Empire Steel, 6 to 1. 
Potter's corner nine to one alongside Felix and Mr. Muldoon joke dancer twenty to one seven run. Ed, give you first run uh, on the last race at Haydock on Saturday. Oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, strictly a dancer. Uh, come a bit of a wind machine, isn't he? Strong traveller, look really good at Chatham. That'd just be my my worry. Would be backing it up so soon. Uh, you know, after that run, that that is my my slight nervousness there, if you like. But uh, again, uh, a race on. I find a lot of this Haydock. Haydock card pretty muddling. I've got some strong views on Ascot, but um, this again I, I find a bit tricky. Uh, a tentative section again would be Fiduks. I mean, Alan King was quite interested, said he thinks he's got it back to his best form. He's he's come down the handicap after he won in the summer, uh, got naturally shot up in the weights. He's a bit more exposed than others. I think he's tumbled down to mark a one three four three off the top of my head. And as we've touched upon, Haydock has been unusually dry, uh, which will, will play to his strength. So I don't think he's impossibly handicapped off that type of rating. I think he's around nine to one. Again, if he ran into a place, I wouldn't be shocked. But um, yeah, no, not most convincing tip. And yeah, Haydock in general, I'm, I'm sitting on the fence quite a bit. Sitting on the fence at Haydock. I can't believe I talk, spoke about Strictly Come Dancing and betting. And the favourite of the race I was segueing into is called Strictly a Dancer. <laughs> and you were just talking about puns, Andy, <laughs> and I've completely fluffed my lines. I know. I gave, I gave the obvious um, assist, didn't I? <laughs> and you only had to nod it in. Um, yeah. How's your yeah. anti-post Strictly book looking? Um, I've I've just had one. I just had one bet. I backed um, Jay, uh, Jay, John. I backed John and Joe Handys each way at at, um, after week one. Right. So I've only really got to get him into the final to get my money back. But (laughs) I, I I can't see him beating uh, um, the the market leaders at the moment. Um, Giovanni and um, yeah, I can't remember her name now. She's just been brilliant throughout the show. Um, But yeah, I think John and Joe Handys will be in the final. So uh, it'll give me a bit of interest, but I don't think I'm going to (laughs) win. I'm getting that. I'm getting that. I didn't think I had to have it up. Rose, Rose, Rose is the Rose, favorite. Of course, Rose, yeah, Rose, Rose is yeah, yeah. Yeah. Forgive Rose me, Giovanni. forgive me for not having the Strictly market up on my on my laptop for this Haydock and Ascot preview. <laughs> forgive me for not remembering her name as well. I've been watching it for the last ten weeks. <laughs> right, Andy, back back to Haydock. Strictly a dance is the favourite, thirteen to eight. What do we make of that? Yeah, he's kind of one of those horses that catches you by surprise in many respects. I think he's, um, I think we've you always kind of underestimate him because. He always looks a little bit behind the bridle in a race, and you think, "Oh, is he travelling? Is he travelling?" All of a sudden, he comes there on the scene. And you think, "Oh my God, yeah!" Um, and he just ends up running away with it. Um, you're never really sure how much he's got in hand either at the moment, because both times when he's won at Cheltenham faced the hill, he's rather idled in front. I think he also saves a little bit for himself. So he's a bit of a owner's stroke trainer's dream in the sense he doesn't probably go up as much as what he should do, uh, given his superiority. And um, I still think he's relatively well handicapped. At least, look, he comes in here with no convictions, as it were. You know, we know he stays well. We know he's in good form. Um, he's running some reasonably decent numbers. And he's got that kind of like Kitty's like touch about him, hasn't he? Which Christian did really well with last season, uh, carrying all before. And basically, mm. got, Christian's really good with these three mile chases. He just, as he's proven, uh, you know, uh, over the last two or three years. I think there is going to be one danger it'll be Ramses Detay who runs his track particularly well. And he's another one that three mile plus around Haydock, um, you know, he's, he's knocked out some of his best ever times. The, the ones in between, the likes of Fidux and, and particularly Jake Dance, I'm not sure about his, him, him over the trip. They don't strike me as being Haydock horses with regards seeing it out and really battling down that long home straight. I think Fidux is a real bridle. He races in behind horses and pounces. He's a stalk and pouncer. And Jake Dance, like I say, you know, two and a half miles, that's the furthest he's been up to now. Potter's Corner ran in the cross-country race. 
and, and the other two don't really make that much appeal to me. So I think the market's got this absolutely bob on. Um, strictly dancer, you know, he's, he's in the corner form that should take advantage of um, the, the, the race cutting up. Strictly dancer there, 13 to 8. Ramsey's to tie 4 to 1. The two to keep an eye on there for Andy. Over we go then to Asker, and we're going to cover. Uh, two of the races at Ascot once I can get rid of the Strictly Come Dancing page <laughs> and go back to the Ascot one. And the first is the grade, uh, yeah, the grade two, the uh, Chanel Farmer 1965 chase over two miles and five furlongs, where we've got Dashiell Drasher is the five to two favourite ahead of Lost in Translation and Defi de Soul, who, of course, we just heard Barry speaking about in favourable terms, uh, of course, um, an old friend of his, both seven to two there. Master Tommy Tucker, five to one. Benny's King eight to one, pistol whipped fourteen to one. Andy. Yeah, George, a, a decent looking grade too. Um, I think the, I think it's fascinating on on many fronts. Lost in translation, obviously. Defi Desoy, very much on retrieval missions. Out of the two, I'd probably have more faith in Lost in translation, perhaps getting back to where he was because. We all know he, he comes from a stable last season in, in the Shabba Collins, which plainly didn't have a lot of his better horses in the kind of form that he would have wanted. Uh, there were obviously the odd shining light. He's third in the Betfair chase, which was definitely, um, you know, his, his, his best effort. And, and you know, he's, he's still only a nine-year-old, uh, even though he seems as though he's, he's been around longer than that. But definitely saw, I think he's, obviously there's been physical problems with him and, and wind issues, but I also think mentally he looks shot as well. I don't want to kind of write horses off and give them, you know, an obituary just too early when I, I probably, um, you know, perhaps should be a little bit more um, forgiving, but I just haven't seen enough from Defi Desoy in the last two years to make me want to back him at seven to two. Whereas I can see lost in translation. I, I can see mm. the angle with him because, you know, fiddle on the roof, was kind of like the indication that the Tizar team are now back in the big time. Um, and there's been plenty of other of their inmates that, that have given us that kind of impression. Um, and he's, he's got the kind of numbers in these kind of races as well. Um, but back in the day to suggest he's, he's, he's not a million miles away from this lot. Um, obviously, Dashiell Drasher sets a good standard. He loves Ascot. He'll go off in front. He'll serve it up. You, know, you can imagine Connections have had this race in mind for quite some time. Um, and he's got to be respected because you know he's he's a very very hardy horse. But he might just be taken on by Master Tommy Tucker. I, could, I can see this race kind of having that feel about it, whereby you want to just be sort of stalking the speed and maybe just slightly off of it rather than actually full bore on it. Uh, so certainly Dashiell Drasher will have his metal tested early on. So that's why I'm probably looking at towards Austin Translation as being the value bet here around about the seven to two mark. Um, He's also been. Uh, he's also had that wind up as well, which might just. I think he's been completely hobdayed as well. Um, mm. So he's had the full treatment. Um, so yeah, he he'd, he'd be the one I was. If I was going to have a bet, he he would probably be the one I'd risk just to, just a round of drinks on. Yeah, lost in translation there, seven to two. Uh, Ed, you said you didn't have much ahead of. You had a couple of bits for us. Ask it. No pressure. Yeah, uh, I mean, in this race, I would be with Lost in Translation uh, if I had to pick. Again, it, it's a funny old race because you've got Dashiell Drasher as the horse who's been doing it. Uh, but I would really worry about him on this ground. I mean, it's going to be pretty lively ground, Ascot. I think it's officially good good to soft in places at the time of recording. There's no rain forecast whatsoever. And all Dashiell Drasher's best form 
has come on a very deep surface. You know, it was heavy when he went there in December last season, when he beat Master Tommy Tucker at the February meeting. I mean, there was mud flying everywhere. This is a totally different ball game. Uh, Master Tommy Tucker, I'm just sure, is not quite up to it. You know, he's rising 11 now as well, let's not forget. And then it leaves the the, the kind of enigmas, for want of a better phrase, in Defi de Soil and lost in translation. Defi de Soy, as Andy says, hasn't shown a great deal for 18 months now. And also... You know, he's had a lot of two-mile championship racing. I'd worry about him being a little bit keen on his comeback, going out to this, you know, this two-mile five furlongs off the back of a break. He might want to get on with this and fall in a hole a bit. Where, lost in translation, crying out loud, I don't think there's another horse in here who could beat Bristol to mine, throw on in a Betfair chase, or be leading the Gold Cup of 100 yards to go. Yes, there's been water under the bridge since, but he's a class act on his day. He's had the wind up. Uh, the ground's come right for him. And uh, also for a bit of context with the Collins, our team, we, we've spoke about it last season, you know, they had a low grade virus in the yard and the hay and everything. Well, there, there are only 14 winners behind eclipsing last season's total. Uh, and there's still five months to go in this national hunt season. That kind of tells you where they are this time around relative to last season. You know, they're operating around 22 percent strike rate over the last month. Whereas it was, uh, well, I think it was 9% was their season strike rate last season. So basically everything is trending in the right direction. You've seen horses are apparently lost away. Likes of Eldorado Allen in the Holden Gold Cup suddenly kind of spring forward and, and really look the mold selves again. So lost in translation, first time out, Windop in this company, uh, ground fighting. He's always been a, a strong traveller over three miles. He's not one of those three milers who wants to go on and gallop. So I don't mm. think coming... Back to 2-5 is necessarily a problem because he's not short of a bit of toe. So, yeah, I was playing the percentages. I, I think lost in translation on this ground has got to have a, an outstanding chance. But anyway, if, if he can't kind of get it done here today or at least go close in it, then you're going to struggle to think where they go with him from here. So, yeah, lost in translation for me. Also, worth noting, he's getting six pounds from Master Tommy Tucker and uh, Dashiell Drasher. So mm. when you kind of throw that in with the official ratings as well, that's another nice uh, Philip, isn't it? So yeah, lost in translation for me, definitely. Seven or two, lost in translation there for Ed as well. Uh, the final race we're going to be cover in depth is the Coral Hurdle at Ascot, the 240. And Andy, I know you're a big fan of the favourite here, Buzz at 11 to 10. We heard there that Barry expects a possible return to form for Goshen, who's four to one. Molly Zolly's wish is six to one. Song for someone seven to one. Guard your dreams is currently nine to one, but is a sea of blue on odds checker as short as six to one. I have a feeling by the time this goes out, that nine to one will be ancient history. But Andy, let's talk about Buzz eleven to ten, uh, a horse that you think is primed to 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 go well in the stairs division this season. Yeah, I've talked about him in, in fav- fairly favourable um, <clears throat> tones um, ever since he won the Cesarich. I was just completely blown away by his performance at Newmarket. Yes, it was a great training performance by by Nicky Henderson, but I don't think even the great man could have anticipated how well he won that day because he was very strong in the last two films. He needed to be as well. You needed a horse that wanted it, you know, dug deep down in the trenches because they went an unbelievable pace. If you go back and actually watch that Cesarich and watch how those good quality handicappers dropped away one by one and waved the white flag. You know, horses that were laid out for the race and looked really well handicapped uh, were just absolutely, you know, they were turned into mincemeat at the end. And there was only two horses that stood the test. Straight away, I thought to myself, how am I going to maximise Buzz this season? And what races will Nicky Henderson run him? Straight away, I thought Stays Hurdle because, you know, he looked a thorough stay that day. You look back at his hurdle, hurdle performance, he, he's just getting better the further he goes in all these races. Even when he ran against Nat, 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 Not So Sleepy last year at Ascot, 
He was doing all his best work at the end of a two. They upped him to two and a half at Aintree. And again, he was almost outpaced around Aintree, catching mm. um, Abracadabra on the running. So he's, he's a genuine grade two horse at the moment over two and a half, maybe grade one or to push. And then you add into the factor that he's capable of probably doing even more over three miles. And and, and that's one of the reasons why I backed him anti-post for the stage early. I thought he was a a, a, a massive uh, rick or mistake after, after Newmarket. And his odds have, have slightly tumbled now to ring in around the 16, 20 to 1 mark. But come Saturday afternoon, I, I think and I'm hoping that um, he will put himself firmly on the map. Obviously, he's got to prove himself over three miles. This is only two and a half. But I think this is a, a good stepping stone. Um, I would have thought they would have gone to Newbury, actually. I don't know what Ed thought. I, I thought mm. Newbury looked the race. Let's find out whether he's a three mile. Let's take on the likes of Time Hill, maybe, or Paisley Park and see what we've got. But Nicky does like Ascot. And the horse himself likes Ascot, so you could half see why that they are coming here. Um, the race should be run to suit, shouldn't it? You know, Goshen song song for someone. You know, free free going types that make make a good pace for him. There shouldn't be any excuses there. We know he's in great form. Um, it's hard to see beyond him perhaps winning this race. I think um, whether I'd take eleven to ten is open to question. But getting on to guard your dreams. Um, I, I think he's very much the fly in the ointment here. <laughs> I, 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 I actually, um, I, I almost went against my, my inner beliefs of what will win this race because I could not resist backing guard your dreams at 12 to 1 anti-post with three places. Because mm. I, I, think he'll, I think he'll be second even if he doesn't win, basically because I just want to get with him off the back of that run at Cheltenham. I, I've basically bought every horse. Um, out of that Charlton race subsequently. Um, actually, we get, the form gets tested again on Fridays. We've got ca- Captain Morgs running in mm. it. But um, we, me and Ed both, both liked our, our approval out of it the other day, uh, who had an eye-catching run behind God Your Dreams, and he, and he won very well at Charlton on Friday. And I think mm. Cool Cody would have probably mm. won the the, uh, the Paddy Paddy, not fallen at the second last, given how the race panned out in the end. So that time figure that God Your Dreams did at Charlton that day suggests to me that he's right up to this level. And we know he's fitting well. I think he'll beat Molly Ozzy Wishes. And uh, I think he might prove good enough to beat Goshen and Song, song for someone as well. But whether he beat Bulls, I don't know. But he's definitely a bet either now at 9-1 to one or without the favourite come Saturday. I think you can get 9-2 to two without the favourite at the moment, can't you? If you have a shop around. Let's have a look. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, whilst I look for that, judging by the noises that uh, Ed was making whilst he said that, I've got a feeling you just took the words right out of his mouth. Yeah, nine to two best price at the moment for, yeah, uh, for without nine, buzz. Nine to two without the fab. So yeah, if you back, if you take nine to one in the win market, um, and then just have a saver on the nine to two if you can get that with without buzz. Can't see any of the result. Think it'll either be one or the other. Ed, have I given Andy first run and he's managed to scoot clear before you've even been able to have your say? Yeah, I thought in Paul Daniels' star, I had some nice little trick up my sleeve here, but I've been, um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm batting um, I'm batting at the pavilion end and Andy's come up, bowled into the rough and just absolutely done me there. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah no, I, I thought, God, your dreams was the sneaky one in here, to be honest with you. Uh, it, the aforementioned form of that Charlton race is working out, albeit at a slightly lower level, but it is working out well. Uh, ground will be fine. I think Buzz the most likely winner. Uh, I, I'm interested on uh, the Andy's point with Buzz. I actually think they'll probably go here and they'll probably look to the Ascot three miler before Christmas. I think that looks the most yeah. logical target. Getting him running here, where he will clash with Time Hill. Uh, you would think, and a few others there. But uh, yeah, 
Look, there's a lot of talk about Goshen about it needs to go left-handed, right-handed, up and down, round in circles. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the truth of the matter is all his form over hurdles of Gary Moore has come on predominantly heavy ground or softer heavy ground. Uh, he didn't run last week by all accounts uh, on, on the basis of the ground being too quick. It's just going to be like a runway game for him. Now, maybe right-handed stepping up in trick will help to mitigate things a little bit, but I can't have Goshen on my mind at that price. Um, sold for someone... One an abysmal renewal of this. Well, what did he beat Lorena, who retired afterwards, and call me Lord. Just nowhere near this level. And again, all his best forms on soft ground. Molly's Ollie's wishes is approving. But again, she won that listed race in Warwick. It was an absolute swamp that day. The mud was flying everywhere. I like to see her with more juice in the ground. Guard your dreams. is fit. Form's working out well. And essentially, I think he'll be the one most likely to chase home Buzz. So, yeah, that probably be my straight forecast. Buzz to beat uh, Guard your dreams. Guide your dreams, possibly the buzzkill. Nine to one best price as it stands at the moment. Buzz, 11 to 10. That brings us to a close of the races we're going to cover in detail. But before we go, Andy, a couple of, of novice hurdles uh, opening up both cards. Anything from those two? You know, we know that you're very good with these, with, with, with your, your time figures. Well, you're good with everything. But um, these are your speciality. Anything to keep an eye on here? Um, it's a shame that we haven't got many runners uh, in the races at um, mm. Ascot. Um, it's a bit of a shame, really. Um, we do get a chance to see Go Dante, by the way, on Friday. I know, I know we're, not, we're not covering yeah. Friday's car, but um, um, he, he runs at Ascot. Again, depleted field. I, I, was, I was a little bit disappointed to see only uh, three opponents taking on. But the first race at uh, Haydock on, on Saturday is a really good uh, race between um, several promising types, but none more so than my side from, from the Harry Fry stable. It, yeah. it reminds me very much of Metier at this time last year, when, when Metier burst onto the scene. Metier made his um, debut, didn't he, at uh, Newton Abbott. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened to Mai Tai. He beat um, Thunder Rock of uh, Ollie Murphy's quite readily. And Thunder Rock um, disposed of his field, at Weatherby on, on Saturday, um, with quite a bit of uh, panache. So the form of that to Newton Abbott race has already taken an instant boost. His time figure was very good. Not quite top class, but very good. But I think he's got a, a lot, a lot to half of that horse. Um, he, he could do with probably softer ground if it had been nitpicky with him. I think I think he's a genuine soft ground horse as well. Um, we'll probably get that later on in the season in something like the Tolworth Hurdle. I could see him going there. But yeah, it'll I, take a good horse to beat him. I, I think he's pretty, pretty good. My tie there, the one to look out for in the opener. Haydock, uh, anything else for you over the weekend's cards? Anything else you're keeping an eye on? Well, obviously, just in terms of keeping an eye on, Bob Ollinger makes his chase debut uh, uh, on Saturday, mm. which should be well awaited. Uh, we're all looking forward to. But no, I, on my best bet on the Ascot card on the Saturday, which actually come in the 315, uh, is the, the outsider of the field, I think, can run a huge race here. Diego Ducharmil for Paul Nichols. I mean, it's a hot race with Sky Pirate and Four Midnight in, but uh, this horse loves Ascot. Of course, you remember that crazy race with Capeland and when horses nearly went through wings and outside the fences and all sorts going back a few years ago. But Ascot and fences is his is his back backyard, if you like. Uh, it's, I mean, his form figures are one three two over course of distance, uh, other than the full. Uh, he's clearly been trained to a minute for this. He had his wind up um, in the off season, had a spin over hurdles at Foss last to get him spot on for this. Off a BHA rating of 150, he's now slipped back down to the same mark as when last successful. And Paul Nichols has said this is this is the target for him. You know what I'm saying? This is his Gold Cup. So I, I think he's. I did the tissue for this. I had him in around the six to one mark um, when the entries came through. Uh, I was shocked to see him as the the 12 to one outside of the field personally when I looked. So Diego Deschamps, 14, uh, I, Ted. 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's big. I do. Uh, this is, he'll be trained to the minute for this. Lorcan uh, Williams is on board, taking another three pounds off. I mean, I respect Sky Pirate, but to win any handicap on these shores off one five nine, I mean, you might as well be. You know, I'm surprised they're not rolling the dice and going for straight to the Tingle Creek or something. You know, if he's going to run to the mid one sixties, he ought to be kind of mixing it. Uh, well, we thought he might have run in the Schlur chase, wouldn't we, recently, but they decided not to. So that's a big ask. And I just think, yeah, slip to his last mark, course of distance winner, ground fine, train to the minute. I do think Diego de Charmille is, uh, I think he should be half the price he is. So I'll back to him accordingly. Diego de Charmille there for Ed. And that brings us to a close. Thank you very much to Ed and Andy for offering their insight across the racing at uh, Haydock and at Ascot. Thank you very much to 888 Sport for sponsoring the pod and to Barry Geraghty, 888 Sport ambassador as ever for joining us and giving us his thoughts on the weekend's racing. Make sure you download the Odds Checker app for all the best prices we've been talking about today, the best place terms, bookie offers, free bets and Andy's tips straight to the app every morning of racing. Make sure you subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel for all this preview content every week and plenty of feature content as well. Some of you may have seen a certain racing blogger, Day in the Life of Racing Blogger preview out on Twitter this week. That should be a fairly interesting watch. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have seen a bit and it lives up to the expectation. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast and any podcast platform as well. Hopefully you enjoy the racing, whether you're watching it on course or from the comfort of your home. But please ensure you are gambling responsibly. 